No, other than if we run into any kind of technical glitch, I gather the only thing that I've had happen is sometimes the screen freezes. Mm. Yeah, just uh, just uh, I'll talk a little bit and then we'll walk walk through that. So, so stand by. I'm just going to do the introduction. Stand by. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money, how to find your passion, and how to find your purpose while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're currently here in Manila, Philippines, spending time with my wife's family and enjoying the amazing people, amazing food, and amazing culture here in the beautiful island nation of the Philippines. And one of the things I love to do is interview fellow uh, world travelers, fellow entrepreneurs, and fellow friends of mine from back in Canada. So I have one on the show here today. Her name is Monique McDonald, and uh, we've known each other from Vancouver for several years now. I even had the chance to connect with her son through this other conference called Bill. The Bill Conference makes you check it out. It's very similar to TED, but more impromptu, spontaneous version. So Monique is the founder of Discover Your Sacred Gifts. She has a big passion for helping other people discover their gifts. And if you're not familiar with the term, you're going to find out what a sacred gift is. Uh, she does uh, her training through personal one-on-one -on -one mentorship and coaching, through video training and self-study programs, and through live in-person workshops. And if you're interested in the subject, you can also become a guide and a facilitator and help others find the sacred gifts as well. So Monique, how are you doing there in beautiful Vancouver, BC, Canada today? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's uh, it's later at night here, but I gather it's, uh, I guess, early morning for you tomorrow. Exactly, exactly. It's always weird because uh, for me, it's actually Wednesday uh, at noon. And then for you, it's like Tuesday at uh, like 9 p.m. So it's a little bit strange when I say, okay, uh, I'm going to talk to you on Thursday. And they're like, Thursday? You mean Wednesday? I'm like, well, Thursday for me, Wednesday for you. So it's always a little bit confusing. So I have to use like, we'll talk to you at 9 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday, and then people get it. So it's, it's always tricky with the time zones and time of day. For you, it's nighttime. For me, it's uh, bright, sunny outside. So it's uh, quite a fun part of being a Disney nomad and interviewing people from around the world. Just through like, here I am at a condo Airbnb, and I'm, I have the ability to connect with people around the world. So isn't technology amazing and grand and miraculous, the fact that we're able to do this and not pay a cent? Amazing. Yes. <laughs> so Monique, uh, before we get into the whole sacred gifts, we want to know about your sacred gifts and your story and your background. You were a registered nurse and you decided to follow your path and your calling and your purpose. Walk us through that story of your own journey. Okay, well, thanks, Ricky, and thanks for having me here. So, um, yeah, my journey kind of in my, my career started as a nurse and I was a nurse for over 30 years. And then on the side, I also had always kind of an entrepreneurial thing going on, whether it was network marketing or something else, you know, I always had something on the side. And, um, and one of the consistent things that I saw in looking back over my life that I loved to do was to teach. And so uh, when I was working as a nurse, I really recognized that the years that I enjoyed the most and the areas that I most enjoyed working in were areas where I could do some teaching, either to the patients or to their families and, or to others. Sometimes it was, um, you know, maybe teaching a student nurse, right? Training somebody. And I, so I love to do training naturally. It was easy and effortless for me to be on stage, even though I felt nervous the first time I was on stage, probably back in the 90s. Um, I would get off stage and I would just be exhilarated, right? And, and what I found was that over time, the, the things that made me feel most exhilarating were not happening in my nursing career. 
So it was outside of my nursing career that I was doing stuff that allowed me to be on stage and gave me that really great feeling. And so maybe like, you know, some of your listeners over time, the thing that I thought I'd love to do and the thing that I thought I was supposed to do, which is be a nurse, and I had assumed I would do it until I was 65, became less and less kind of um, fulfilling for me, even though it was beautiful work to do. And even though I knew that I was making a difference in people's lives, it wasn't having the same kind of um, excitement for me that I would feel when I was on stage teaching. And then I started to notice there were other things I was doing naturally that also really made me feel on purpose, like coaching. Uh, people would phone me for advice. People would phone me for coaching. I was working as a nurse and, and they would say to me, you know, you should do this. You're really good at it. And I'd think, well, how could I do that? I'm a nurse. It, none of it really made sense to me. Right. And then I learned about this idea that we have within us these natural abilities that allow us to do ordinary things in kind of extraordinary ways without necessarily having any training and that we're born with these abilities. And that really caught my attention, Ricky. I, it was as if all of a sudden my life made sense when I heard that. And, um, and that just really uh, created in me a passion to want to teach others about it. So I just spent a couple of years researching trying to understand what gifts were, looking at it from a religious perspective, from a non-religious perspective, looking at it through all different filters, and in the end realize um, that we had a serious problem happening on the planet, which is people living life without any connection to what their gifts were. So that's how it kind of unfolded. Yeah, thank you for sharing the backstory. And you know, a lot of our listeners, they are obviously super passionate about the area of travel. And travel, either people have figured out their passion and purpose, and they're living it by traveling and making money, or they're trying to figure out. Uh, they're traveling, they're introspecting, they're reflecting, they're analyzing with that time away from their home and native land, and they're figuring stuff out. Uh, so that's why we brought you on the show. To help figure stuff out, uh, especially yeah. around this area of sacred gifts. Uh, so firstly, let's define it. What is a sacred gift? And tell us about the different categories of sacred gifting. Okay. So a sacred gift is an ability that you have within you that allows you to do, like I said, ordinary things in seemingly extraordinary ways without necessarily getting any training or having even any skill in it. So the way I describe it is that um, you know, we're human beings and there's an aspect of us that's our humanness. And that's things like our personality, our skills, our gender, our culture, our religious beliefs, our backstories, whatever. That's all part of our humanness. And then there's this other part of us that's our beingness. And these sacred gifts seem to reside in this beingness of us. And the way that we can show that is because we can be extraordinarily good at doing certain things that don't, it doesn't make sense in our humanness. Like, how is it that I came to be very effective at teaching? I did not go to teaching school. My parents were not teachers. But when I was a little girl, if I was playing with the neighbor kids, I would always suggest let's play school. And I was always the teacher. And then in high school, I was tutoring other kids. And then when I became a nurse, like I say, I found areas where I could work, where I could be doing teaching. And now I'm a trainer on stage and, and I spend a lot of my time teaching. And uh, even if I'm doing writing, I'm writing for the purpose of teaching people something. 
So it just is an ability within us. And in the program that I do, I teach on 24 very specific gifts. And these are gifts that people can relate to. Uh, some of them, some people might not be able to relate to them unless they have that gift, then they can really relate to it. Teaching is an example. Music is an example. Writing is an example. Being a natural coach. There's people that are just natural coaches. There are people that are just natural connectors, right? That, or they have the gift of facilitation. They love to bring people together. They love to moderate. They love to connect like what you're doing, right? Then there's people that have certain lifestyle gifts. And one of them in particular that really relates to what you're doing and what you're teaching is a lifestyle gift of cultural integration. These are people who thrive in other cultures, who want to be in other cultures, who are compelled to travel and immerse themselves in other cultures. And the whole purpose of that gift is to allow them the opportunity to express one or more of their gifts in those other cultures that they would not be able to do in the same way in their own country or in their own culture. So, and, and I'll, I'll, I don't have that at, at all. This is not a gift that I have. So what you learn when you go through the process is you find out which, which gifts you have, which ones you don't have, and which ones you're not sure about you want to experiment. So I do not have a gift of cultural integration, Ricky, but I love to travel and I like to travel because I'd like to learn about other cultures, but I can do it from the bus. Like I can be in the bus with a really good tour guide who's telling me about the culture, but I am not comfortable getting off the bus and getting in there. I would never do that by myself. I'd never travel on my own. I really like going in an organized group kind of setting where there's somebody who's gonna look after me, somebody who's gonna tell me what I'm seeing, help me understand the culture, because I love to learn. I have a gift of knowledge, but I don't have a gift of cultural integration. All right, definitely makes sense there. So, uh, you know, I think we've all done these kind of studies when we're looking for career, figuring out our abilities, our strengths, our skills, passions, talents, even the personality trait that's kind of a dominating culture with the big five or the Myers-Briggs. There's also the love languages, like five love languages. So how does the sacred gifts fall into this paradigm of all these different things. Like, uh, tell us about how you can integrate the gifts into some of the things I mentioned. Yeah, for sure. So your love language, your personality, those are all part of our humanness. And what's really amazing for people to understand when it comes to sacred gifts is that you can be, because sacred gifts are really meant for the benefit of others, okay? They're not meant for introspection and to better understand myself. Of course, if I know my gifts, I'm going to better understand uh, making choices that are going to align with my gifts so that I can live a life that feels on purpose. But the real true benefit of knowing my gifts is so that I can choose things that benefit other people, as well as making me feel on purpose. So that means I can have gifts and you can have gifts that are extraordinarily effective for the benefit of others. And that very same area in your own life can be really screwed up and be a mess. So your humanness can be a hot mess, but in your gifts, you can be highly effective. And if people don't understand this, they judge themselves, they beat themselves up, they stop themselves, they, they don't move in the direction of their passion because they think, well, how could I coach anybody when I don't have a good relationship? Or 
you know, how could I be good at advising people on how to make good choices in finances if I'm not actually really on top of my own finances? And this is why it's because our gifts are for the benefit of others. They are not necessarily for our own benefits, but when we are in them, we are most likely going to feel on purpose. So as curious to know, uh, you mentioned like 20 plus gifts. How many gifts does the average person have? Does someone like Anthony Robbins, Mother Teresa have like all of them? Uh, does every five, 10 of them? Uh, how many would you say like our viewers would have roughly? And what's the process to discover which gifts they have? Okay, great question. So um, there is no set number for sure. And um, however, I have yet to meet anybody that shows indication of all of them. And if you did, you'd be so messed up. How could you ever make a decision? How could you ever follow your heart when your heart's going in 24 different directions, right? So the gifts act within us like a GPS system. And typically what I find is most people show evidence of several gifts operating in their life at any given time with others that may be dormant and they may not be apparent all the time. So I would say on average, and I don't really like to focus on a number, but I'd say on average, we're looking at most people over their lifetime showing indications of maybe four or five or six different gifts. So that means we're looking at, you know, 18 of them that you probably do not have and will never have, and that you can find tremendous freedom in letting those ones go. And the process to discovering our gifts, Ricky, is a system, like what we do it, the way we do it is very systemized. In other words, you're taken through processes and activities that help to eliminate, eliminate, eliminate as many as possible. The way to discover the ones you have is through, we have a very powerful assessment tool that will certainly give you a, you know, a really big clue as to which ones you likely have, but also processes that help eliminate things that are not your gifts. And there's a difference between your gifts and skills. Skills are part of your humanness and you can learn skills. You can be really good at doing something that sucks the life out of you, right? That's probably not a gift. That's probably more in the realm of a skill. I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have had that experience that they can do something all day long. They're getting paid to do things they're really good at, but it leaves them feeling empty at the end of the day, or it doesn't help them feel fulfilled. So uh, yeah, there isn't like a set number, but I would say most people, it's a handful. There's a little handful of gifts, a whole bunch of them they don't have. And then there may be a few that are, are in them but have not yet had a chance to come out because they haven't been put in a situation where there's an opportunity for that gift to show up. We'll see this in situations where, for example, a disaster happens in an area, right? Um, the Philippines just got hit, parts of the Philippines were just hit with that uh, huge um, uh, hurricane so or typhoon. So what can happen is somebody's never been in a certain situation. And let's say a disaster happens and you'll hear people describe this overwhelming, compelling feeling to go and help. And they've never been in the situation before. They just literally get in their car and they go and they show up and they know exactly what it is they need to do. And then when they're done, they will describe this feeling of um, 
even though the circumstances were really devastating, I felt totally on purpose. I was in the zone. I knew exactly what I needed to do. I was energized. Um, you know, that is where somebody is following within them this gift that's in them to just go and do it. But not everybody has that. So there's always this nature versus nurture debate. And when I think of sacred gifts, it seems like it's more God-given, uh, innate uh, from birth onwards. But obviously there's this whole area of nurture, environment, circumstances, our desire to uh, nurture, develop them uh, through awareness and action. Tell us about that, the nature-nurture interplay with sacred gifting. Yeah, so the um, you can have a very nurturing personality right? You can have aspects of yourself that are very nurturing, and you might have certain gifts that, uh, for example, the sacred gift of challenge does not appear at all to be a nurturing gift. It's somebody who has an innate ability to call people on their stuff, to see through their BS, to be able to hold the mirror up to them, to and to be able to do that, to say the things that nobody else has the courage to say that needs to be said, for the benefit of the other person, not for the benefit of hurting somebody's feelings and not for the benefit of putting somebody down, but it's like the ability to see through the BS and call people on it because it is going to help that person be a better person. It's a very loving gift. All the gifts are very loving. However, it does not necessarily appear to be a very nurturing kind of thing, but the person might have a very soft nurturing personality. So the way I look at it, and I and I have studied personality types a lot, I'm a student of the Enneagram, and I teach the Enneagram. And personality is typically formed in childhood, based on how children perceive the events that are going on in their life. Okay, so something happens, and the child forms a perception, and their brother and sister may form a completely different perception about what happened. And over time, those perceptions become beliefs and operating systems. And then people that that forms their personality and their egoic structure and they're operating in that gifts, however, are as you mentioned, um, they're innate, people seem to be born with them, they're not a DNA thing. And we can prove that because we know that we can have identical twins that are DNA identical, but they will not necessarily show evidence of the same gifts. Right. So it's not a DNA thing. Now, you said um, they they appear to be God given. Some people believe they are God given. Some people believe it's part of their dharma. Some people believe their soul picks them before they're born. Some people believe that it's, um, you know, from Pachamama, the, the Peruvian Keshawan people believe in, in Pachamama, Mother Earth. And and some people believe their gifts are from that. So there's many different belief systems on how we come to have these unexplainable, mysterious abilities that can become supernatural abilities or extraordinary abilities that we just can't explain through any other means. Awesome, thank you for elaborating there. So when you discover them through these things like the assessment tools you're mentioning, um, how can you actually develop them and grow them um, so mm -hmm. you can actually best serve human humanity? Yeah, well, that's a, a you know a really beautiful question, and um, I, I always say to my students, you know, the the most powerful way to really find yourself in a place where the gifts that you have within you show up, if they haven't already, or that be, they become freed, is through a desire for wanting that to happen. 
that is the really and truly the number one thing is that if you desire your gifts to show up and be of service on this planet, I can almost guarantee you they will. And whether that is by being a car mechanic and making a difference in somebody's life by doing an excellent job of craftsmanship that I could never do, I, would, I wouldn't be able to take a motor apart and put it back together, but there's a gift behind that that allows certain people to be able to fix things even though they haven't even been trained in it or that they have a desire to create something beautiful or to make art or to make things more beautiful. I don't have that in me, but there's people who do. Thank goodness. That's how come we have bridges and beautiful homes built and furniture and, and jewelry and all of these things that craftsmen are they're capable of doing that I'm not capable of doing. So it isn't that we're looking for a what I call Oprah Winfrey size experience with our gifts through the desire to want to see our gifts being expressed and being of benefit to others. And for us to have the amazing experience of feeling on purpose comes from a desire. It's born out of a desire, or sometimes it just happens without there even being a desire. You know, a small child who can sing, we see these on these Facebook clips, right? You know, where they show this little kid that can sing like an angel and they've had no training or anything. Well, they just kind of stumble into it and they continue to develop it. But then there are a lot of people that have natural gifts that are evident when they are children. And then as they get older, they suppress those gifts in them for all kinds of reasons. Well, who am I to think I can do that? So somebody who may have a gift of healing is a great example. I love the Philippines, you know, because I've, I've, I have so many Filipino friends working as a nurse and being raised Catholic. So I was exposed to a lot of Filipino people. And what I love about them is Filipino people are really quite charismatic. They just kind of, they just kind of, if they got a gift, they live it. You know, they're not... They're not hiding it. If there's a healer um, in their community, then they'll support that healer and they'll go see that healer. Over here in Canada, the US, you know, the Western mentality is still a bit, oh, that's a bit weird, a bit woo woo, that kind of thing. So somebody might have a gift of healing and not feel worthy of having that gift, or they don't want people to know because they're concerned about being judged, or they, have, they feel that they have to defend it. Whereas if you have a gift of music, most people don't feel they have to defend it. It's like I can sing, so I sing. I can play instruments, so I play instruments. So certain gifts play, play games in people's minds. There are certain gifts that cause people to feel like, well, who am I to have that gift? And nobody would believe me if I went out there and expressed it, or I could never make money doing that. That's a big one. We hear that all the time, right? I could never make money doing that. So um, a big part of releasing our gifts and being out there is trusting and knowing that we don't really have control over them and we don't have to feel responsible for them. They're there. Our responsibility is to create an opportunity where we can express them, to be willing to go out and experiment with it. And Ricky, the biggest thing about it is that people right now are searching to figure out their purpose. You mentioned it at the beginning, right? So... Yes. The quickest way, yeah, the quickest way to get there 
is to forget about trying to find your purpose as if it's something you're supposed to look for, because it makes it sound like everything you've done up till now has no purpose, which is ridiculous, right? So we're going to assume that everything you do has a purpose, but it's wanting to feel on purpose. And feeling on purpose means that you feel that you are doing something that, me that is meaningful to you. So the quickest way to get there is by knowing what your gifts are, applying those gifts to something that is meaningful to you and of benefit to others, and then finding the right vehicle. The right vehicle is really important and it's often overlooked. And when those things are in play, typically people will feel on purpose. And that's what we call the feel on purpose formula. So I may have a gift of teaching, but it's not meaningful for me to be teaching swimming lessons. It's not meaningful for me to be teaching grade three. It is meaningful for me to be teaching um, the elements of spirituality and spiritual principles, personal development. It's meaningful for me to be a catalyst for the positive transformation of others. The people who benefit from that are my clients. The vehicle for me is being self-employed. Right. So when I was a nurse, the vehicle was was a job. I had a full time job. Right. And I had a boss and, and I was an employee. So the vehicle is really important. So your nomadic tribe that um, that follows you, uh, you know, the knowing what their vehicle is would be really important because the assumption might be that if you're a nomad, if you're a nomadic, uh, you know, traveler, that you've got to be self-employed and that may not be the right vehicle for some people. Um, and for other people, having a job would be a nightmare. They need to be, you know, they need to be entrepreneurs and they need to be self-employed. So to feel on purpose, you've got to know your gifts. You've got to know what's meaningful to you. You've got to know how it benefits others and you've got to be in the right vehicle. And that's the most likely way that you're going to have that sense of feeling on purpose. Awesome. And of course, there's the electrical vehicles that nomads are on, things like planes, buses, trains, hitchhiking, boats, cruises, and more. And then there's the metaphoric vehicle, like in terms of like getting them into work that's meaningful, significant, and produces income. Uh, so I'd love to cover the area of gift monetization because a lot of people struggle with this concept. Not just with this uh, sacred gifts, but just in terms of the passion, they have like, the, like I just want to give you an example. A few days ago, I interviewed this lady. She's in Cairo, Egypt, and she has this amazing gift of operatic singing. And she, uh, we, we actually interviewed her, and I was like blown away. I was like, wow, this is amazing. She's, and you could tell she got down. She's like, I'm such a great singer, but I don't know how to monetize it. And I felt for her. My soul yearned to help her, right? So it's just like, how do you help people like artisans, for example, are a perfect example of that, creatives, right? Like, how can people monetize their gifts? Yeah, that's a great question. Not every gift can be monetized. Um, first of all, I want to say that right up front. So if somebody's primary gift is, for example, the gift of compassion and mercy, and let's say they have a gift of compassion, they have a gift of cultural integration, they might feel really drawn to want to go work in a village in Africa, let's say, and to be able to, you know, work with um, kids that are in these developing countries and they want to make a difference. I'm not sure they're going to be able to really monetize that and become a millionaire doing that. So it's not always about, um, it's, it doesn't mean once you know your gifts, it doesn't mean you can always monetize it. However, having income and being financially supported 
is not an option. I mean, we we all need to have some kind of source of income unless we become like my sister, a Catholic nun, where she is supported financially, right? She's got a place to live. There's food that's provided. Um, she has a bedroom to sleep in. All of, you know, things are provided for her. So you've, you've got to either be provided for and looked after, or you've got to be able to provide for yourself by making some income, unless you've got a rich aunt who's given it to you, right? Or a wealthy spouse who's happy to support you in your gifts. So when it comes to monetizing your gift, if your gift is what you know you want to do, like the opera singer, and she knows that that's what she wants to do, um, being able to monetize it is not a function of your sacred gifts. That's a function of a good business coach, right? That's the, that's, that's the function of somebody who knows um, how to take an idea and be able to develop it through marketing. For example, um, many people have... Um, for example, they might have a gift in craftsmanship and they love to make beautiful jewelry. Okay, so they make beautiful jewelry. And then they're thinking, well, I can't do that for a living. Um, you know, I sell it on Saturday at the farmer's market, but you know, how could I ever make money doing it? So they stop themselves. They go get another job. So, so hopefully, whatever it is they go do, they go find something that still uses one of their other gifts. All right, so sometimes you might use some of your gifts in your job that is creating the income. And that doesn't mean you may, you might still have a passion or a, a compelling desire to do something else in your life that is not producing income. So if opera isn't going to make her the money or she thinks it's not possible to make money in it, I would say then find something else that is going to give you that money, still using one of your other gifts and continue to develop your gift of music. But that's not to say that you can't make money being an opera singer, but you would need somebody who knows how to do that. You would need an agent, right? You'd need to have an agent who's out there selling your ability, going to opera societies, finding you a place where it is. Just like if you're an author, your book, just because you're an excellent author, it doesn't, and you're excellent at writing, it doesn't mean your book is going to make you a million bucks unless you've got a book agent, a publisher, and somebody behind it. So when it comes time to monetizing your gift, that's where you've got to look at, you know, what's available to you out there. However, when it comes time to living in your gifts, when it, come time, when it comes time to living in your gifts, you can live in your gifts even if you don't have any money and even if your gift can't be monetized. So it's kind of a Western mentality. It really is of, right. you know, okay, find my gift. And then how can I make money make, you know, doing my gift? That's, that's, you know, that's a little bit out of the realm of the mysterious, beautiful nature of gifts. I'm not sure they were placed within us so that we can make a lot of money there. Those gifts are placed within us so that we can have the opportunity to do something that makes us feel on purpose and is of benefit to others. That's the function of gifts. They are not placed within us to make us millionaires. However, there are ways that people can do that. But I, I you know, I'm not a business coach. So, you know, I, it's not, that's not my area of expertise, but it can be done, but that's not the function of a gift. Yeah, it definitely makes sense there. I think the other area that a lot of people struggle with is this whole area of focusing. Like, should they focus on one gift? And what if they have multiple gifts, but they don't necessarily align in terms of a career, a calling, a mission, 
uh, in terms yeah. of service. So how do you kind of weigh that when you have like one gift and maybe it's not dominant, maybe you're like a multi-potentialite where you have uh, multiple gifts and you just don't know which of the gifts to focus on. How would you uh, help that person? Yeah, absolutely. So people that are in the phase of their life where they're looking to succeed and achieve and that what's important to them is to hit success, then I would say those people are most likely going to choose a career path or an area or choose to develop a gift that they feel is most likely going to, to be able to be monetized, right? So that's where some people are at in their lives. When I talk about the feel on purpose formula, Ricky, not everybody is looking to feel on purpose. Many people are out there looking to achieve and succeed. They don't care if they feel on purpose or not. They might hate what they're doing, but if they're making good money, that might be what it is that makes them feel happy. Okay, so it really depends on where you're at in your life. If you are looking to feel on purpose, you might be willing to compromise the income. You might be willing to take a little less money doing something that allows you to feel on purpose because what's more important for some people is to be doing something where they feel that it is meaningful to them and a benefit to others. So it really is more of a mindset and it's where people are at in their journey. And then there are some people who financially don't need income because maybe they're retired and they've got a pension and they've got the income and all they're looking for is a way to give back. So even if people are looking to volunteer their time, it's important to know what their gifts are so that they are volunteering their time in a way where they are going to be the most effective that they can be and that they can feel on purpose. So whether you're volunteering your time, whether you're making a million dollars, it doesn't make any difference. I've had some students say to me, that they feel it's wrong to uh, monetize their gift or they feel it's wrong to want to earn income from their gift because that gift's been placed in them and it's not really theirs. And you know what? All of that is just made up stuff in our heads. Whether you make a million dollars being in your gift or whether you are volunteering your time makes no difference except what it is you want. If you want to make a million bucks, you're going to have to figure out a way to do it. And hopefully you're using your gifts. So you you do have different gifts operating in you and they do pull you in different ways. So when I'm working as a coach and I'm on the phone with my clients, I am in my gifts of encouragement and challenge. When I'm volunteering at the thrift store for hospice, I'm in a gift of service. I am just a worker bee. I can do the work of five people. I am focused they can give me piles of clothes to sort through. I'm focused. I get it done and I can do 10 other things at the same time. Because when I'm in that environment, it is a gift of service that is active. I'm not there to coach people. I'm there to do the work. And that's why I like to go there. But I don't want to do that every day. I like to do it for four hours once a week, right? So, and it's not, I'm not looking to monetize my gift of service. I did that as a nurse for many years, but that's not what's meaningful to me now. So it, once you have an understanding of what your gifts are, it starts to, and once, once you allow it to guide you, they will guide you like an internal GPS. And whichever gift is most compelling to you is the one to move in the direction of, but it may not be the one that you can monetize. Yeah, it definitely makes sense there. So I've asked you a lot of questions, Monique. I'm going to do something called a role reversal where I'm going to flip it around. You can ask me questions about my gifting and uh, we can kind of do like this little case study here. Let's do it for about 10 minutes so people can kind of see how this works in practice. So some of my guests are teaching, coaching, leadership, uh, connecting, networking, writing, 
blogging, podcasting, uh, social media, and more. So maybe you can ask me some questions to help me fine-tune and develop it for the sake of the people listening and watching who can kind of picture themselves in this process. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. So um, how long have you been doing what you're doing right now? Uh, so I've been doing uh, this whole area of, uh, you know, like leadership, connecting, networking for the last five years, both in physical events and now in digital events too. Okay. And prior to that, what did you do? Uh, so I was an event producer back in Vancouver. Prior to that, I was a bank teller. Prior to that, I was an ESL teacher in Japan and other countries. So ESL teaching, banking, and then event production. Okay, so what did you love about being an ESL teacher in uh, Japan? Or did you love anything about it? Oh, of course, I, I loved a lot about it. Uh, we mentioned the whole intercultural appropriation kind of thing. Uh, I love the, the cultural aspects of travel. I love the whole area of teaching and helping and seeing results. When I saw a student who was nervous, shy, insecure, couldn't vocalize, and then boom, they lit up, they gave a presentation, they uh, spoke something they hadn't done before, that lit me up. So yeah, the whole area of teaching and empowering others. Right. Awesome. So right there, two great examples of likely, you know, possible gifts, the gift of cultural integration, the gift of teaching. So this is what I do when I'm talking to people, right? Okay, so then you left that you went into banking. So what got you to go into banking? <laughs> you know, I didn't like banking, honestly. I was uh, looking for a way to make money. And I, I was like, oh, my mom worked for Scotiabank. She's like, hey, son, you know, I'll get you a job in Scotiabank. I was stuck behind a cubicle. I, I liked the dimension of talking to people when they came in the bank. I did not like the cubicle. Right, exactly. And this is really common where parents who are in their gifts, if parents have had the experience of feeling on purpose being in their gifts and they don't understand this, they will often impose that on their kids. They'll say, you know, I loved banking and I felt great every day and I made a difference in people's lives. You should go into banking, Ricky, right? Then you go in, you're like, it's horrible because it's not your area of giftedness. And, you know, yeah, you could make money, but you don't feel on purpose. But you, you said right there, I love connecting with the people. So that there's, you know, there's another theme that we would look at and dig into. So then from there, you went into... Uh, so I've been doing event production back in Vancouver, and now that we're traveling, I'm still doing like uh, virtual events like conferences, uh, webinars, uh, podcasts, YouTube, etc. So the whole area of like offline and online event production. Okay, so what did you love, 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 love about event production? What was the stuff that you could have done all day long, and you wish you could have done more of it, and get rid of some of the stuff you didn't like doing it about event production? What did you love? Yeah. I'm loving these questions, by the way, because everyone who's listening and watching, they can kind of see where you're going. You're kind of digging stuff out of me. So good work there. So what I loved about event production is the whole area of bringing people together. Uh, what I didn't like is the fact that I was tied to a location like Vancouver, right? I, I couldn't do what I'm doing now, traveling, seeing the world, exploring the variety, diversity of what I see now. So I definitely feel that the biggest part of what I did uh, in terms of passion was the connection aspect. Right. So there is uh, one of the 24 gifts is called the sacred gift of facilitation. And people right. who have a gift of facilitation love to bring people together. These are people that host maybe radio shows and they have followers who follow them or they're podcast hosts and they've got, you know, a tribe that follows them. They love events. They love bringing people together. It might also be an expression of a gift of hospitality. People who have a gift of hospitality they love to host events where people come together and they can make people feel included and they can make people feel safe and 
they can make people feel comfortable. So at an event, you might not be the person with the gift of hospitality, but the person who's greeting them at the door and taking their tickets and welcoming them, you'd want that person to have that gift of hospitality, right? Yeah. But when you talk about bringing people together, bringing people together, that connection, that speaks to that gift of facilitation. So now you think, okay, I, was, I loved being in Japan using my gift of teaching, but I really love event production but I want to travel. I didn't like being tied down in Vancouver. So can you see how internally your gifts naturally have moved you in this direction, right? So especially that gift of cultural integration, that's really huge. Like that desire to do exactly what you're doing. And then to be your audience, I would say if we were to pull your audience, many of them that are attracted to what it is you're teaching and what it is that you're exposing them to are likely people who have a gift of cultural integration. Somebody who doesn't wouldn't even be able to relate to this. They'd be like, what, who wants to do that? I wanna know where I'm working. I wanna live on the same street. I want my house. I don't, you know, I, I'll go to Mexico once a year and get a tan and that's the extent of, you know, getting into another culture, right? So you have naturally, Ricky, allowed your gifts to kind of guide you like a GPS system and, and so that you can be doing things that make you feel on purpose. So when you look at the feel on purpose formula, your gift of teaching, a gift of facilitation, a gift of cultural integration, what's meaningful to you in the work you're doing right now, okay, in what you're doing right now in the last five years is what? So I really feel this whole area of internet marketing allows me to uh, develop my skills, gifting, uh, ability to serve because I'm doing it virtually online and I can connect, like you said, with other cultures around the world. I can find my passion in terms of like this facilitation, uh, this desire to help and coach and mentor. And uh, I, I feel that I am living the sacred gifts to some degree, but I don't think I'm fully there. So that's why I'm like, okay, something's still stuck. I'm trying to break through the, stuck, the still stuck phase. Yeah, yeah. And often for people, a lot of people I talk to, what makes them think that they don't feel on purpose is because they're not making the income they'd like to make. So they might be living the dream, they're using their gifts, they're doing something that's meaningful to them, they know people benefit from it. And the vehicle sometimes is the issue for the person. And the vehicle sometimes is, you know, I'm self-employed, I'm doing all of this, but I, you know, I don't see how I'm going to make my millions of dollars or whatever. So sometimes people just don't feel like it's quite there. It is sometimes because the money isn't quite there. And they think that if they, they've got that money piece in place, that they're going to feel more on purpose or more connected. So that that's really common. That often comes up for people. Um, or sometimes they are um, doing something that's meaningful to them, but they're not actually using one of their gifts. So let me give you an example. Somebody who's passionate about animals and they just love animals and they want to be around animals. So they go get a job at the local vet and um, they're working the front desk as the receptionist. Okay, so the front desk receptionist job, you'd want somebody with a gift of hospitality, somebody who's highly organized that has an administrative planning, organizational type gift to be able to multitask and run an office, right? So they love animals and they go and they take this job because it's at a vet and then they find out it is sucking the life out of them and it's killing their soul because where they want to be is in the back with the animals. They want to be hugging the animals, comforting the animals, right? They don't want to be working the front desk. So the right, they're in the right place. It might be the right vehicle. It might be meaningful to them. However, they're not using their gifts. 
they're not they're they're not actually using their gifts. So what's really important with that feel on purpose formula is to be able to identify which piece of the formula isn't working for you. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. So you obviously offer like something similar to what you've done on, with me. Uh, the, we did a little quick little version, but of course you'll do a much more deeper dive and you know, maybe over several different sessions in terms of private coaching, mentorship, but you also do self-study. So if people wanted to uh, grab a copy of course and they can do it themselves and um, uh, be a part of the Facebook community. You often have books around this as well and in-person workshops for those people who are maybe closer to your neck of the woods, Vancouver area. Uh, and you can actually teach other people people to just take your gifts. So tell us about all these different services and programs you offer, Monique. Mm -hmm. The number one, I mean, the, uh, the digital online program, um, that's our program that has gone into 22 different countries. And obviously that's because it's available uh, online where no matter where anybody lives in the world, as long as they understand uh, English, I would say, you know, that they're, they're able to understand English, that they can do it on their own. And then, um, and and what I'm gonna what I'm gonna offer your listeners that isn't you know when they go online and purchase it, what I'm gonna offer them on top of that is a 90 minute one on one session with me. And uh, and the reason for that is because I am really fascinated by the people who listen to your program. I kind of want to do my own little study. I want to know if most of these people have that gift of cultural integration, right? Yeah. So, and, and just really be able to get a sense of what a tribe looks like when they're following somebody who podcasts. So for me, it's kind of like, a, you know, I get to learn something from it as well. So the digital <laughs> online program is, the, is really the fast access because they can start it right away. They can download it right away as soon as they purchase it. And then, like I say, they'd get a 90-minute session with me as well. The live workshops are, um, I train the two-day live event here in Vancouver. And then I have another trainer who um, does them as well. And she's going to be doing one in Florida in a couple of weeks, for example. Ours in Vancouver is going to be in November. So a two-day live experience is much more experiential. Um, uh, there's a lot more uh, activity going on. There's, you know, it's kind of a two-day intense live event, but the content of it and the ability to be able to figure out your gifts is no different whether you go to a live event or whether you do it as a self-study because everything that's in that self-study program is what's taught from the stage anyway, right? So, so those are the two main ways. And then what we have is people uh, come through our program and maybe they are coaches and now they want to be able to use our material um, with their own clients. They want to be able to help their clients uh, understand what their gifts are. And so then we offer certification training for, for coaches who want to be able to use our material and our assessment in their own practice. Amazing. Yeah, definitely a great wealth of um, material and resources and support systems for people who want to develop and nurture and grow their own sacred giftedness. Uh, so Monique, how can people find out all of those tools? What's your website, social media and more? Okay, so the uh, website is your sacred gifts with an S, yoursacredgifts.com. All right, and everything's there. Then they can find the digital online program, yoursacredgifts.com forward slash audio series is the direct link to the um, digital online program. So uh, all I would ask them to do is if they've heard about it through your program is to, um, to let me know that when they purchase it so that I can add that one-on-one -on -one a 90 minute session and then I'll report back to you and let you know what I found out about your listeners. 
<laughs> I would love that, you know, you're doing the market research for me because it's so hard to know exactly who's listening from where, what their passions are, what are their stuck points and what is uh, holding them back, what are their dreams, aspirations, uh, you know, besides them reaching out to me, reaching out to our guests there. So I would love to get your market research feedback analysis and deliver it to me and we'll report it. We'll bring you back. We'll do a report on the discoveries. <laughs> so yeah, Monique, yeah, thank you for sharing. Uh, it was a, a great interview with a lot of uh, wealth of info, experience, expertise, even a little practical case study there. And I uh, definitely highly encourage everyone who's listening here on iTunes or the podcast directories or watching over here on YouTube to reach out to Monique and she's doing this exclusively for our community. She doesn't normally do this 90 minute uh, coaching session as part of the digital course. So this is exclusive to our community only. So Monique, uh, thanks again, and we'll catch up with you soon. Good. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Uh, make sure you connect with Monique. Uh, make sure you connect with us, daddyblogger.com, and we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we not only teach you how to make money while traveling the world, but also how to discover your sacred gifts. Mm -hmm.